one into the night. Jimmy Rollins is going to try for three. Here he comes. In the air, down the right field line. Way back there. Out of RBI, hit by Mitchie Poole. Here's the throw to the plate. It's in the air. He is. Oh! The 0-2 swing and a miss. Struck him out. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Phillies Nation podcast. I am your host, Ty Dobbert. Come to a little earlier than we expected. Some big news on the Phillies front. They fire manager Joe Girardi. He had been in his third season. In the interim, they'll have coach Rob Thompson managing the team his first time as manager. Going to be a quick pod from us today, but with this, this big Phillies news, we had been speculating about it for a little bit. Thought we had to get into it, have a guest on, and as always, have my co-host, Nathan Ackerman. Nathan, how you doing? I'm doing well. Like you said, you know, a little earlier than we expected. I, I kind of thought by the time, like early in, in the week, I was like, it feels like something that might happen soon. But then by the time they won on Wednesday, then they had the off day Thursday, nothing happened. I was like, okay, maybe they're going to wait a little while longer to make a move. Obviously, they didn't. Um, it's a little, I don't know if it's like surprising when you think about the grand scheme of things, obviously the team hasn't played well, they need to be better. And at some point you have to make a change just to, I don't know, even if it's just for the sake of making a change, I think kind of where I'm at is like, I, I don't think again, everybody's saying this isn't going to fix all the Phillies problems. And it's like, yeah, nobody's saying that, but at some point, if you see a problem, you have to start fixing it. And this is one place to start. I don't, I don't think like they're going to be a completely different team because of this I just didn't see it getting better with him there and maybe they're going to be even worse now maybe they win 60 games but where I'm where I'm at is like at this point if it doesn't get better to the point where they're making the playoffs or at least like contending into the final weekend what's 75 wins versus 60 wins you know it's all a disappointment at least this gives them a chance to turn it around in my opinion because I don't know Joe kind of was what he was and I don't think you were going to get much improvement based on what we what we had seen the last few years I mentioned we have a guest on. We have Tim Kelly from Phillies Nation. Tim, you were at the press conference introducing Rob Thompson. Dave spoke there. Just what are your thoughts on the news dropping? Any takeaways from the uh, from the press conference that you were at? Well, when you're at those press conferences and you're trying to get the mic and everything, uh, you kind of like zone in. But so I, I haven't had a chance to listen back to it yet. I, I would say I, I was a little surprised at the timing. I initially thought, oh, maybe they'll bury it on Monday, on Memorial Day. But then I, the optics of doing it when Gabe Kapler was in town would have been bad. But I thought yesterday would be the day if they did it that they would uh, make the decision. They didn't. And then they ultimately decided to make that choice this morning. And uh, it's been a whirlwind since then. So I think a lot of what Nathan said is true. There, there are these national writers uh, I, I'm not even saying that there's no case to be made to come to Joe Girardi's defense about certain things, but they seem to kind of be missing the point. No one has said that Joe Girardi, getting rid of Joe Girardi is going to solve all the problems, but ultimately it's a results business. You're 22 and 29. I mean, that, that's embarrassing. I understand you've scored some runs, but you have had long stretches of games where you have just gone innings without getting hits and the, the team at times has felt lifeless. So, yeah, it, it's worth a shot. I don't think that this means the Phillies are going to win the World Series this year. But Joe Girardi's contract was up at the end of the season anyway. He wasn't going to be coming back next year. So 
trying something different and not just waving the white uh, towel or flag or whatever the saying is in shout out Bob McClure. <laughs> yeah. On, on June 1st, I, I think it makes complete sense. Yeah. I think kind of the mindset from some people is like, well, what is, what has Joe Girardi done to like deserve getting fired or like, you know, he's not the problem here. I think another way to look at it is like, he's not really improving anything. He wasn't really improving anything or helping the things that they had wrong uh, at the very least. So at that point, when you're, when you're struggling like this, the status quo has not worked for his previous two seasons. It's not like this is somebody who had previous success and then it's like, Oh, they're just struggling this year. So maybe you jump a little too quick because he has past success. He, they haven't made the playoffs since he took over as manager. And it's kind of at the point, like you said, he doesn't have a contract for next season at this point. You just kind of have to shake things up for the sake of it. Cause what you're doing hasn't worked and it hasn't worked in his three years. as Yeah. Leader. But, yeah. No, and I think exactly what you're saying is right there, Ty. And I almost, I had the feeling around halfway through last season that one way or another at the end of the season, maybe there'll be a change that comes because I, I look at, I know Joe Girardi wanted to get back into managing, but I, I think there became a sense for me, I guess I should be careful how I phrase this, that uh, he wanted to get back into managing, but he didn't want to get into managing in the COVID world, which I'm sure was a disaster for everyone involved, especially as the Phillies had issues getting the 75% last year. So I'm sure that took a toll on him. And then, uh, it is true, as it was true for Gabe Kapler, that he, ha he has been given a disastrous bullpen to work with over those three years, potentially the worst three-year stretch any manager has ever had. So uh, it, it wouldn't have shocked me if a change took place last year. Ultimately, it didn't. But, I mean, you, you talked about, or uh, Dave Dombrowski talked about in the press conference that after the initial shock, I guess, of being let go, uh, there's a sense of, of relief. So... I don't know that this is a situation. It certainly doesn't seem like it publicly that there's a lot of animosity from Joe Girardi. They're 22 and 29. Like, what is he going to say? And they underachieved uh, certainly in 2020. Uh, I mean, last year they won 82 games. I don't know. They, they maybe were a few games better than that. Again, no one is saying that this is a, a be-all, end-all move. There are problems that have existed long in this organization before Joe Girardi and will continue to exist after him, but he wasn't the solution to those problems and perhaps was making certain elements of it worse. Well, and it had also moved past the point of just making a change for the sake of making a change. I mean, you had passed in saying there, there's been concern in the last few weeks inside the clubhouse that he wasn't the right fit for this team. He had made enough tactical mistakes to sort of lose their trust or lose you know the clubhouse as a as a as a whole and it's like if you if you lose the clubhouse you know you can say yeah they're underperforming yeah they're not whatever but if you if you lose the clubhouse and you lose the trust of your team it's like there's not really much you know improvement that that you can make and yeah like it it, it, it isn't just the fact that they've been under underperforming it isn't just the fact that you have to shake things up to inject some life in there it's like yeah the bullpen was bad too but he also I would argue he got even less out of all those bullpens than he should have even given how untalented they are like this year's group is not good but some of the decisions have been rather perplexing and I think if that's the kind of thing that makes the roster in the clubhouse start to doubt 
whether you can be the guy to lead this team, like there's some serious problems there. And I don't know if that's the kind of thing that can be fixed. Yeah. And I don't know that like we talk about lost the clubhouse a lot in all across all sports, lost the clubhouse, lost the locker room. I don't know that it was necessarily that there wasn't respect for Joe Girardi or anything like that. Like I, I certainly don't think players like saw Joe Girardi and thought here comes this buffoon. Like I, I think there's respect yeah. for him and what he's done throughout the course of his career, but trying somebody different with, uh, maybe a, a different sense of communication with players. What what can you what do you have to lose? I think maybe you save this season and you also kind of get an idea of okay, how do you proceed moving forward, both with manager uh, at the manager position and then with certain players in the clubhouse as well. Yeah. So Tim, you know you were at this press conference, like we mentioned. Um, a little hard to kind of take in everything without a, a re-listen, but what were just some of your first impressions of Rob, Rob Thompson talking as manager, his first time managing? And it's kind of like a weird relationship a little bit because he's close with, with Joe Girardi. He was his bench coach in New York. And then again in Philly after a couple of years as Gabe Kapler's bench coach, just um, you know, what he brings to the team, what might be different from him going forward as the team looks to improve, going a little bit of a different direction? Well, a lot of it will probably be stuff that we don't see, uh, even like the media doesn't see in the sense that how he communicates with different players and he stressed that that's going to be a very important thing. And I don't think that that was a dig at Joe Girardi, but uh, like he said in the press conference, everybody's a little bit different and I'm certain that he and Dusty Wathen and everyone in there, uh, even if they respect Joe Girardi, which they do, can probably say, okay, if I was in that seat, I'd maybe do this differently. So you're going to see that as you do whenever there's a managerial change. Uh, and then I, I thought it was interesting how he responded to the question about using relievers three days in a row. He said, well, it's June now, essentially uh, avoiding criticizing Girardi, but kind of say leaving the door open for that and I, I don't think it's a good strategy to ever say we're not going to use a guy three games in a row so closing the door doesn't make sense but in general I think Joe Girardi was largely right about that like you don't in a, in a perfect world want to use your closer three days in a row or anyone else especially when your closer has had injury issues Sir Anthony Dominguez has had injury issues so and, and it's clear when uh, you have used these guys at length, you've seen their velocities and effectiveness dip. So uh, largely, I, I don't think a ton changes in how you manage the bullpen, but leaving that door open is a smart uh, tactical decision and decision in terms of how you present to the public. Yeah, I mean, I think that the tactical side is a lot easier to be like it changes from person to person. And you know, even if you're on his staff and you've been with him for X number of, of years and you've, you know, been his right-hand man essentially for the last X number of years. Yeah, you can you can have your different tactical maneuvers and strategies that you like to take. The thing that I'm a little bit skeptical about is how you address players and how you carry yourself and how you, whatever, like all the in, intangible stuff that, as as you said, Tim, you don't really see. I don't know how much that can change if you're just putting in a guy who was basically like Joe Girardi part two with some variation, but you know, you've been, you've been learning from this guy pretty much everywhere you've been. He's never managed in the big leagues and everywhere he's been, he's been essentially watching 
the guy who just got fired and the guy who they were saying, we need a new voice, a new approach, a new way to connect with the clubhouse, whatever the case might be. And now you're putting in a guy who's been basically just learning from that example for the last however many years. I'm not saying it won't work. I just wonder if they really wanted to go with the new voice. There are even better in-house options that are a little bit different from what Rob Thompson represents. Maybe it'll work. Maybe there's more there in terms of how he operates. Um, that sort of strays more than I would give them give him credit for, more than I acknowledge, more than I obviously know, because I don't know how he talks to these players. I don't know how he relates to the clubhouse and that kind of stuff. You don't really know that unless you're actually there. But that's the one thing that that for me, it's just like, okay, you want a new voice, you want a fresh perspective. And then you go with the guy who basically learned everything from the guy you just fired. I don't know. I'm 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 open-minded, I guess, but right off the bat, I'm a little skeptical. Well, I'd say the 10 years that they were in New York, though, they were extremely successful. So I don't think learning from that perspective, uh, learning how to manage in a big market, deal with volatile situations like the, the many they had with A-Rod in New York and different guys, uh, dealing with guys that are supremely talented, but like Robinson Cano that are supremely talented, but uh, make mental mistakes at times. And uh, I mean, we've learned more with the PED suspensions and everything, but it's important, I think, to make this change. But what it also says to me is, I think if Dusty Wathen got this team and they rebounded and even just won that third wild card spot, then you're having a serious conversation next year about is Dusty Wathing going to stay? And I'm not saying there's not a scenario where you end up having that conversation with Rob Thompson, but ultimately front offices want to hire their own guys. Dave Dombrowski was not here when Joe Girardi was hired. Sam Fold was in the organization, but in a much lesser role. So, I mean, the front office probably has a list of 25 names that they think would be great managers. And Rob Thompson will steady the ship for the rest of the season and we'll see what happens from there. But part of my feeling and why they went with him is that he's probably less likely. It's like when the Raiders went to Rich Bisaccia, like he's a lifelong assistant, not someone that had a track record of being a head coach previously. And even when the Raiders made the playoffs, they ultimately went in another direction. And the Phillies should give Rod Thompson every chance to succeed here. I'm not saying that won't be the case, but if I had to guess, there will be somebody different managing the team on opening day 2023. Yeah, and I, I think to go off Nathan's point, just like, I guess, a little bit of a different perspective. So while he like worked under Girardi for a long time in multiple spots, I guess like his role that he had been doing as bench coach he in the press conference kind of described it like he's doing a lot of like preparation and research stuff um and less so like with the players direct and like I guess the vibes all the time like the manager does so like even though he's been with Girardi for a long time like that doesn't mean the way he'll handle players is exactly the same because they kind of like do different roles I, I guess it's kind of how he described it uh, watching the press conference. So I think, you know, hopefully, I guess they're hoping that he has like a different enough perspective from the positions he's had that it, it'll, it's not like it'll just be, you know, a carbon copy of what Joe Girardi did. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. And I think, look, I think the, 
most important thing is I think it's less important. Like one of the obstacles that people have been have been talking about as far as should they fire him, should they not, was like who's going to replace him. And it was always there's no perfect candidate to come in and step in if he were to go. And it's like, yeah, but that's just sort of how it is sometimes. You don't really like like again, back to my first point. It's like I I I don't think anybody, I don't think Girardi was gonna get any better from a tactical perspective, from a whatever perspective like what what you had seen for the last two and a half years was pretty much what he was um and and you know the ceiling for this team under him I don't know if it was super high and then if they were to come you know bounce back and you know play 650 ball the rest of the way and win 90 games whatever that might be I I I would have found it hard to say oh it's because Joe Girardi turned things around in year three and it's because he started approaching things from a different standpoint so Again, if you want to maximize the ceiling of this team while also possibly lowering the floor, because I don't think like, you know, a team with him would have won 60 games. And I, I don't think this team will either, but I think there's it's possible that things don't get all that much Im- improved. Um, but if you just want to change things up, like, I don't know, to give them the chance of having a higher ceiling or capacity to do something like I think more important than anything else, more important than who's going to come in and take that job is making a change in the first place. So I'm not, I'm not saying I have some huge problem with Rob Thompson. I think he'll be fine. I just, well, don't I know. also think, you know. I think it's easier to replace a bench coach than it is to replace a hitting coach in Kevin Long or a third base coach in Dusty Wathen. And the thing is, if you promote Kevin Long to be your inner manager and then decide at the end of the year, you don't want to keep him, then you lost a guy that is viewed as one of the best hitting coaches in the league. Uh, if he's your hitting coach and you decide not to retain Rob Thompson as the manager at the end of this year, you have the door still open to keep Kevin Long and not constantly be going through the cycle of changing voices every year. Uh, I mean, third base coach is, is different, but it, it's obviously it's an important job and it's not something you necessarily want some guy that's never done it to step into in the middle of the season. So you keep dusty in that position. And again, you leave the door open to keep him on the staff. If that's what you choose to do, or even interview him to be the manager in the off season. This is yeah. The bench coach kind of just feels like, you know, is usually just the next up for manager. The only like if the manager gets ejected or is out for a day, like it's usually just the bench coach. So it makes sense that that's who they would promote. Also like a side tangent for me. Do you remember when, remember when Ryan Sandberg was the third base coach under Charlie Manuel, but like if Manuel got ejected, then he would be the manager while coaching third. It's yeah. Like, it's awkward. Like, it's- it was like the only team that did that. And I think it was Pete McCannon, the bench coach at that time. Yeah. That whole thing was like an arranged marriage, almost like it, it was like, having the grim reaper basically like standing over your shoulder everyone knew what it was that it was charlie's last year of his contract and sandberg at one point or another was probably going to take over but they didn't want to make him the bench coach so they but they wanted to keep him in the organization so they made him the third base coach it it, it was a weird thing you didn't have that in this case but i mean it is interesting they're right rob thompson said this in the press conference that he was thankful to be picked because there's a lot of people in the organization that could have been picked, not just the guys we've talked about, but Sam Fold interviewed for a lot of managerial jobs. Jorge yeah. Valencia interviewed for the managerial job when it opened in 27, after 2017, when they eventually hired Gabe Kapler. Um, 
I don't think Charlie Manuel's managing at this point, but I can tell you Larry Bowe is around a lot. And I, I think Larry, if you asked Larry Bowe to do it, he would do it. So like there were a ton of manager managerial options in-house or at least interim managerial options. And uh, ultimately they went with Rob Thompson and he, he should feel good about that because he's right. There were a lot of different guys that they could have picked. What do you think? What do you think are some of the changes, either of you, that you might see right away? I know changing the manager, like it won't necessarily have a huge effect on the field, but do you think like even if it's just, you know, the crowd at the games, um, if they might be a little bit more pumped up with with a bit of a change, will I don't know, do you think there's anything that we'll be able to see on the field in, in the next week or something going after this change? I mean, they might play with more energy. They might, you know, look like they're having more fun. But I think as far as actual changes and bringing fans to the stadium, like they're going to have to win games, you know, uh, it, it really boils down to that. I, I wonder if you're going to see more like benching guys, if some, you know, absolutely inexcusable thing happens in the field or something like that. Or if you see more, I don't know, young guys playing like Stott and Moniak are in the lineup today um hitting what eighth and ninth and Nick Mayton so maybe you'll see more of that I don't know but as far as like I don't think from a from a managerial perspective it'll look all that different um I just think they're gonna have to win games in order for people to really start buying back in again yeah because, and because I, I think you're right about playing the younger guys like you mentioned that that uh Moniak and Stott are in the lineup tonight and one of the things any manager does when they come in or GM is you should listen to what the criticisms are on sports radio or whatever and understand at least what the fan base is thinking and throw them a bone early on. So you see Moniac starting tonight, you see Stott starting tonight, but ultimately either they're going to perform or in three or four days, you're going to go back to Herrera in center field and Camargo playing more consistently. And whenever D.D. Gregorius is back because you're trying to win games and there's a reason Joe Girardi wasn't putting them out there. Now I think, Stott, you need to kind of let sink or swim. Mickey Moniak, he had a great spring training. He did bulk up. He's still only 24, but he has like 50 major league at bats and has struck out in like 25 of them. And as often, they're not competitive strikeouts. Like, I don't agree that all strikeouts are created equal because the end result is the same. Uh, there's strikeouts where he just looks so overmatched. And uh, I mean, either he's going to get going or as flawed a player as Odubel Herrera is, he's in the major leagues for a reason and stuck around in the major leagues for a reason because he can get hot and hit and he takes bad routes to the ball, but he's quick and gets the ball. Like it's results oriented here. And if the Phillies, as Dave Dombrowski said, still really believe they can make the playoffs, you're going to have the best players out there one way or another. Yeah, I, I was kind of joking before we recorded that if Rob Thompson wants to endear himself to fans, he needs to go out there Friday game one and go get ejected. I think that would uh, that would be a good way for him to start. I don't know if it'll happen, but that's I think that's the way to go. If I if he was asking me for advice for whatever reason, he would be doing that. But I would tell him, like, any questionable call, you got to go out there and get ejected or fire everybody up. Yeah, I don't know. We don't really know that much for as long as Rob Thompson's been around. Like, it's not like the bench coach, like in 
football, like the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator speak to the media. Like Rob Thompson's spoken different times here or there. And like, yeah. you'll see him if you're covering the team, but I don't know. I've ever had a conversation with Rob Thompson or I haven't. And I, I don't even know if I've ever asked him a question. So we don't really know his personality that much, but he doesn't strike me as someone that is like going to uh, like blow up in game one, but you're right. I mean, it, it would, it would get uh sports radio on your side real quick. It's, it, it is. It's wild that he's like outlasted two managers now. Yeah, it is. And I mean, I think it kind of speaks to them trying to create some sense of stability and ultimately that that hasn't worked, but it also like, it's the same when the Phillies let Matt Klintak, or relieved him of his duties, whatever they said as GM, they kept a lot of the other pieces around. And it is an admission to a degree that there are systematic issues that are bigger than just who's in these seats currently. And that's true. That doesn't mean you don't change people when stuff isn't working, but it also means that you investigate like what isn't working, that you've gone through all these different regimes. You've seen other guys like Gabe Kapler going to be successful elsewhere. That's the million dollar question. Jim Salisbury asked it late in the press conference today. And it's what Dave Dombrowski is tasked with figuring out because, um, you know, at the end of the Morrow regime, it was a, a train wreck. Andy McPhail certainly did not change that. And here you are where you've gotten to this point where, you're, yeah, you're like an 81 win team every year, but that's not what this was supposed to be. I do want to say one thing, too, about, Tim, what you said about if you're going to win games and get back into the playoff hunt, the best players are going to have to play. Because one of the one of the qualms of the last few years has been like when things go wrong, namely poor play in the field, it's like, though, there's no accountability. You guys aren't going to sit for one or two games. I don't think you're going to see much of that moving forward either, because as they said in that press conference thing and as. You know, I think uh, Dombrowski was asked about the play with Herrera in the Braves in the Braves game where, you know, he just lets the ball go under his glove and a run scores from first. It's like the the, the way that this team is built is by offense. And if you're going to like, let's say Nick Castellanos goes out and makes a bunch of errors and Ryder doesn't get to a bunch of balls or just plays poorly in the field as he does. Like, what are you going to do? Bench him, take one of your best bats out of the lineup for a team that has to hit and isn't going to go anywhere if they don't hit. Like, I don't know if that's a really sustainable formula, and I don't know if you can just say every time there's poor play in the field or every time there's something that we would see as inexcusable, which is going to happen a lot. It's happened a lot with this team. It's going to keep on happening because the defense isn't getting any any better until the roster is completely overhauled, which isn't going to happen. So at some point, if you're a team that's built to hit to win, you're going to need to keep your best bats in the lineup. They're going to play poorly in the field, and that's just going to be something that you're going to have to live with. And I think that's how Thompson's going to approach it too. Like, I don't think you're going to start to see a bunch of accountability and a bunch of guys sitting on the bench, nor do I think that that's even necessarily always the right move. Yeah, and the final thing I want to say is that when you've had a team that hasn't made the playoffs for 10 years, maybe all these players haven't been here for 10 years, but obviously the fans and media have been here and watched this team be extremely frustrating for more than a decade now. 
And so that when you have players like Herrera, who has been here forever, and obviously there's other stuff, but just from an on-field perspective, you have Herrera, who's been here forever. The same was kind of true at the end of Hector Neris and Cesar Hernandez's tenure. People just kind of get sick of players that have been here for a long time on losing teams. And when they make a mistake in 2022, you think back to, oh, you know, that's just like a play he made in 2017 too. Uh, so that's kind of the issue you have on one hand. And then on the other hand, you have these new guys that come in, whether they're free agent signings or young prospects. And if they don't immediately live up to the hype, it's they almost inherit the pain that Phillies fans have had for 10 years, even though the last time the Phillies were in the playoffs, they, some of these guys we're talking about were in middle school or high school. I mean, they, they have nothing to do with the fact that the 2014 Phillies stunk but they kind of inherit that. And I do imagine that I'm not saying fans shouldn't boo or anything like that, but it is kind of an awkward position to be in where if you're Bryson Stott or Mickey Moniak and you don't have immediate success at the major league level, it's, oh, here we go again. When you, you didn't know anything about the Phillies till two yeah. or three years ago. Yeah. Uh, uh, either of you have anything else to add as we kind of, summarize summarize what this morning was like in this afternoon nathan i mean i don't know i just go back to there's still going to be probably a pretty brutal watch many nights i don't think that's going to change nobody's saying that the defense is going to be great all of a sudden the bullpen's going to be great i just think i don't know maybe maybe it's an energy fun thing i don't know how much you know people make of that um because it, it's it's often just a byproduct of not scoring runs. But yeah, yeah I mean, I think it'll look somewhat different. Uh, I don't know. I think at this point, there's really nothing to lose uh, just because for the, like, the fifth time, I, 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 I don't think the ceiling was very high. And I think yeah. maybe now the ceiling's higher, the floor is lower too. So we'll see. Yeah, right. I, I would just build off that and say, like, it's one thing to lose games. It can't be every night something you've never seen on a baseball field happens. Like, yeah. The, the feeling of like the organization being, if you go 75 and 87 this year, so be it. But like, it, it does matter how you get there, how you get to that point that it, it can't be like, there's never a game where you just win seven to two. And that's that like every yeah. game cannot be high leverage situation. Yeah. Um, only thing I would add is I think it'd be kind of funny if, if tonight's game was kind of like, when they fired John Maley and then hired Charlie Manuel as hitting coach. And then they, they just like scored a million runs off. I think it was Cole Hamels too. Um, that would be funny if they came out and it'd be good to, to see from them. If they came out with some life and like, all right, we got to wake up. Cause the players, like we can talk about all, all the decisions and stuff, but all the decisions is like you as players didn't get it done. And that's why your manager got fired. Like, you know, yeah. at, at the mean- base of it. I know media is not supposed to have rooting interests, but like there's 111 games left. I, I don't want this to just burn to the ground and have three months of this. Hopefully the product is better. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that'll pretty much do it for this episode. Joe Girardi on his way out. We are now in officially the Rob Thompson era that, you know, has been long awaited by fans. I know that much. So Tim, Thank you for joining us and thank you everyone for listening. We will talk to you next time.